You are listening to episode number 25 of The Love Noteworthy Show. Welcome to The Love Noteworthy Show, the guide to creating a business, brand, and life you love, taken from the lessons of female entrepreneurs, influencers, game changers, and change makers who have already made it happen. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Love Noteworthy Show. This is the first of 2015 and episode number 25. I can't believe that we've already done 25 episodes. I am here in beautiful Cabo San Lucas, Mexico, hanging out with my friend, Naveed Moazes. Say hi to everyone, Naveed. Hey, how are you doing, guys? <laughs> uh, and he's been very instrumental in helping me get this podcast up and running. He is a personal brand specialist, has hosted numerous events and summits and podcast episodes and is just sitting with a big grin on his face on the couch right now working on some stuff as we geek out and I record this podcast. But anyways, it's taken a little while for me to do an episode and I'll tell you why. Uh, This is because I wanted to start off the year with a full episode with me talking about kind of the two words or sentence that is really going to define 2015. And so I've been thinking long and hard about what I wanted those two words to be, and I'll be explaining them a little bit later in the episode. But first I wanted to do a really brief review of the things that I learned personally in 2014. So each year I really try and set an intention for the full 365 days that culminates into one or two words. And last year it was really the phrase downsize to optimize. And in retrospect, I certainly did so. So the downsizing began after attending an exceptional conference in Los Angeles, where I realized that now was the time to let go of my salaried on paper, awesome career in marketing and public relations with an international multi-million dollar architecture firm and take the entrepreneurial plunge. With this, I also decided to take time off and move to Santa Monica for the summer, which meant getting rid of the majority of my stuff through selling and giving it away, as well as storing it in my parents' basement and traveling down with only two suitcases. Now, as a girl with over 50 pairs of heels alone and a former second bedroom turned walk-in closet, this was no easy feat. And yet, once it was all said and done, the process of downsizing was very liberating. No longer was I shackled by the constraints of materialistic possessions, assets, fears of what if, or a loving relationship, which I'd love to have had, but wasn't in the cards for 2014. And I was downsized and ready to pack up and go. And I kind of just did it. So through all my experiences over the course of the year, the optimization part came with a better understanding of my intrinsic motivations, passions, and goals, and somewhat streamlining how I'm getting closer to them. The four biggest takeaways that surmounted in 2014 in order to optimize included these four. And I would love to hear if you've had similar experiences, but I wanted to run through them because I found a ton of value out of really assessing and re-evaluating what came out of 2014. So the four biggest takeaways were as follows. Number one was learning to say more no's. Number two was being more self-centered. Number three was exercising gratitude. And number four was making the ask. And so let me dive a little bit deeper into these. So the first one, learning to say more no's. I don't know about you, but I really struggle with FOMO or as you would call it, the fear of missing out. And the thing is, if you're trying to accommodate everyone, you'll burn out. So learning to say no goes two ways though. As an event planner, I would be upset when people didn't attend an event and thought that it was a reflection of them disliking me. However, I've quickly realized that it's not personal. 
It's just not a priority or interesting for them. And that's fair enough. Now, I have respect for people who can discern between the shiny objects and the golden opportunities. And the most important part of this is that your golden opportunity could be another person's fool's gold. And it's really all about taking on the opportunities that align with your why and no one else. And I'll be talking a bit more about this um, as we dive into the 2015 words. So number two is being more self-centered and I've written a more extensive post about this and you can check it out in the show notes. However, the gist of this is really being self-centered is not about being selfish or egotistical. Rather, it's about feeling centered and balanced, fulfilling your needs first so that you are full and able to serve others. When you are full, you're able to really serve these others with ease and without expectations. You'll be able to focus your full attention on these things because you're confident and your energy is fueled, and like I said, very focused. So the third thing was exercising gratitude. And when things got hard, it's really natural for you to default into a negative headspace. Being grateful towards others and further articulating it to them creates more happiness in your life. And I can definitely attest to this. There's definitely been some dark days since I've quit my job where I've been asking myself, am I freaking crazy? Like, what am I doing here? There are so many things that you can do to exercise gratitude, but in particular, some of the things that I've done to demonstrate gratitude to myself and others in the past year were as follows. So the first one was writing handwritten love notes to friends. I absolutely love writing snail mail. It's so different to hand write a message to a friend than to simply send them an email or text. And to receive something in the mail that's so uncommon makes the love notes very remarkable. And I must say in 2014, I think I sent over a hundred letters and I hope to send one a day minimum on average in 2015. So my goal is 365 letters in 2015. However, I'll be running a promotion all throughout February where if you subscribe to my e-newsletter, I am going to send you a handwritten love note in the mail. Yes, that is correct. So take advantage of that as quickly as you can because I am only doing this for one month. Anyways, so the second thing was making handmade or motivational notes and taking photos of them and sending them out on Fridays or birthdays. So once again, this is a very small act of gratitude, but it is visual or handmade gift that makes this much more special than an email or a group text. So like I said, I would just kind of hand draw like a happy birthday card or something like that, take a photo of it and send it out to whoever's friend's birthday it was, or on a Friday, just sending out a motivational quote that I'd handwritten and taken a photo of, and people seem to love it. And I would totally encourage you doing something more personalized like that. Finally, the third thing to show gratitude that I did last year was take more photos of nature and take more time in nature to sit, reflect, and appreciate it. Whether it was the beaches of Santa Monica, sitting on Quarry Rock in Deep Cove, or going to Stanley Park in Vancouver, or even Colquitt's Creek in Victoria, or staring out my window of my apartment in Yaletown, sitting for a few extra moments and truly appreciating the natural beauty surrounding you, the sunsets, the scenery, the beaches, makes you really realize how magnificent the world is around you. The final thing that uh, really helped to optimize in 2014 was making the ask. And again, I'll be um, kind of focusing on this more in 2015 as well, but I've always really been afraid to ask for things. When I was younger, I was an overachiever that hated 
asking for help. And I really thought that this meant that I was weak, stupid, dependent. I would somehow lose power by asking for assistance. And I wanted to be strong, fierce, and independent. However, in my adult years, I've learned a very important lesson that in order to become successful, you really do need to ask for help. And similarly, to get shit done, you need to make the ask, oftentimes when it's uncomfortable. This past year, there's been so many moments where I was reluctant to ask a question and felt butterflies in the pit of my stomach. And as soon as this happened, I knew that I had to ask. And whether this was asking to get a photo with someone that I really admired, asking for certain help with steps on my business, or even asking for a letter of recommendation, anytime I felt uncomfortable, I've made it a habit to push through that uncomfortability and just ask the question. And most of the time, it's ended up yielding really positive results. And I mean, the worst case scenario is that somebody can say no. So it's not that bad. It's just getting over your reluctance and pushing through it. And so while I continue to develop these four things in 2015, after a lot of consideration and contemplation, I've decided that 2015 will be the year of passionate relentlessness. My word for 2015, drum roll please, and there's two of them, so get a little drum roll going. Come on, Naveed, drum roll. (laughs) Okay, that was terrible. But the words are execution and killing. What? Execution? Killing? That sounds really messed up. Yes, you may be wondering why on earth these are the two words of the year, especially because they sound like the complete opposite of what Love Noteworthy is meant to be. But let me tell you why these are the words. I've realized that one of the things I do love to do is strategy and planning. I love planning out every single facet of an idea, a campaign, a schedule, more so almost than actually doing the damn thing. As a woman, you know how sometimes you'll go out with your friends and they'll come over and get ready with you before a big night out? I genuinely like doing that part more than actually going out. And things like that are very similar in business. And what I've realized is that oftentimes by spending too much time planning, you exert all of the energy that you have and become unenthused with actually carrying out the task or plan itself, which means that it never gets done and it never helps your customers and it never makes you money. Being mindful of executing over planning is definitely my intention for 2015. And this year is really going to be defined by killing old ideas, relentlessly yet passionately, carrying out the new, and making a killing doing it. There are four parts to my 2015 plan for the year, which I would really encourage you to also adopt. And don't worry, despite all of the upcoming execution and killings, that we will be talking about, you can still integrate gratitude into each step of the process. So before I dive deeper into these four parts of the plan for the year, I'm going to lay them out for you. Part one is execute the status quo. Part two is execute on your dreams. Part three is going in for the kill. And part four is making a killing. So let's talk about part one executing or killing the status quo. Now, if you're feeling like you're drowning in the unfulfillment of your own expectations, perhaps it may be time to change the way that you're currently doing things or offload some of the stressors in your life that are no longer serving you. What once worked in the past may not still be your best course of action in the future, and that's called evolution. So how do you transform into the evolved version of yourself? The biggest thing is to know when to let go. What does this mean for your business? Reframing the way that you perceive quitting something is so important. Knowing when to throw in the towel isn't a sign of failure or weakness. Rather, it's a strategic 
sorry, strategic measure for your personal growth and future success. Five questions that you can ask yourself to see if quitting is your best option is one, am I still passionate about this? And remember that there's a difference between passion and obligation. So trying to discern between which one you fall into is really important. Number two, do I wake up each morning excited to put my best foot forward with this project because it excites me? Number three, what have the three people most important to me recommended? And am I listening to them? Number four, Am I actually instrumental in ensuring that this project or company will move forward? Or can I take someone else and have them step in in my place? Number five, imagine that it's five years from the future. If you can quit this project or company or organization today, will you have a major regrets or will it really be a distant memory for you? So what, what does this all mean for your life? Really executing or killing the status quo. Many of us are innately people pleasers. And if there's one thing that I've learned over the past year, it's that two great people do not necessarily make a great relationship. The timing may be wrong, priorities may not be aligned, or maybe you've outgrown or grown in different directions. And whether this is a friendship, a business partnership, a roommate, new beau, or a longstanding relationship, if you're beginning to build resentment, it's crucial that you communicate how you're feeling with the other person. And then if there is no resolution, consider the different outcomes and options that you have. Whether you choose to continue the partnership on new terms or end it, either way, you're helping yourself to make a definitive decision that takes you out of limbo and out of the status quo. That leads us into part two, executing on your dreams or carrying out your dreams. Sure, it may sound a bit cliche to follow your dreams, but I tend to govern my life by a powerful piece of advice that I received from one of my good friends, Lindy, and she said that ask yourself if what you're doing today is getting you closer to where you want to be tomorrow. The key to executing on your dreams is really twofold. First, it isn't about finding opportunities, but rather determining what opportunities to take advantage of and which ones to pass on. Using the exercise in the first section that I just talked about, asking yourself those five questions will really help you to be more clear on what's a good opportunity and what you should pass on. Second, take a look at how much busy work you're creating. I constantly fall victim to this. Busy work can come in all shapes and forms, including trying to perfect something before it goes out, adding additional tasks like extra design work, extra apps, extra products, redesigning something, talking about a concept over and over and over again, but not actually taking action on it. These are all examples of creating additional busy work instead of getting to what the focus of the work you need to do is and executing on it. Can you think of five things that are busy work currently in your life? Why don't you take an opportunity to write them down now? Okay, now that you are more aware of these things, do you think that you can call yourself out on them when you start doing them? If not, find an accountability partner in crime to do this exercise with. Share the five things with them and give them full reign to call you out if you fall into these old busy work habits. And that leads me to part three of the master plan for 2015, and that is going in for the kill. I may be over-dramatizing part three a bit because really going in for the kill is about being strategic and making the ask. I've never hunted before, but to use a hunter analogy, when hunters are going after their prey, they tend to go after one target, not the whole flock or herd. Similarly in business, now more than ever, it is crucial to hone in on your target demographic slash niche and be specific. If you're trying to go after everybody, it will be hard to consistently thrive and you'll end up with nobody. So let me give you a few examples here. When I was back in school, back in 2008, I had to complete a number of co-op education terms. And this was right when the recession was happening. There were less jobs, more students trying to complete 
their credits. And the average number of jobs applied for was something like 30. And getting a co-op term was more stressful than ever. For me, I knew that I wanted to work for the business faculty of the school that I went to and get their co-op position to run a major business conference and orientation for new business students in the fall. So what I did was cater my resume to the position requirements for the interview. I put together a 10-page proposal of exactly what I would do if I was selected for the position. And this outlined how I'd raise more sponsorship dollars than ever, the themes for the events, how we'd incorporate new events and concepts into the mix, et cetera, et cetera. And this obviously impressed the staff and they offered me the position four months before I even had to start the work and this was the first and only job application that I had to do. Putting in the extra work to go in for the kill, really going above and beyond expectations and being really specific is so key. Similarly, if you are looking at all of the past episodes of the Love Noteworthy show, you will see that there is an ongoing trend with all of our guests. Pretty much all of them are extremely specific and focused on one industry and field and go above and beyond to deliver exceptional value to the target market that they are passionate about. Being extremely specific, focused, and assertive in order to get a job or new clients or to get more customers can be very polarizing though. In other words, the results of being super specific will result in you getting raving fans, but also people that have a distaste for what you're offering. Therefore, focusing on the positives and staying respectful and mindful of the fact that not everybody likes the same things is crucial. And you know what? That's okay if not everybody likes the same thing. That allows everybody to thrive in the market as long as they're specific and can really stand out. The beautiful thing is that after you've gone in for the kill enough times and have been able to deliver on expectations, you'll be able to stop doing it because people will start coming to you. And that leads me to part four, making a killing. Mindset is definitely the most important part of growing wealth. Having the ability to shift your mindset, to see obstacles and challenges as opportunities, and further being able to anticipate the speed bumps is crucial. There are five elements or the five C's that we need to be more mindful of when focusing on generating wealth. And those are courage, charisma, confidence, consistency, and clarity. And I'd really like to attribute these to Marissa Murgatroyd, who talked about them while at the conference that I was at last week in Los Angeles. The key here isn't that there is a magic universal number that's going to satisfy every person's appetite for wealth when you're trying to make a killing. Rather, it's shifting your mindset to change what you believe you're worth and discarding your limiting self-beliefs and enjoying your spoils. Let's run through these five C's. These five C's are really going to help you to create that money mindset that you want to allow you to make a killing. So the first one is courage, and courage is really the ability to face challenges with bravery. As I noted, making the ask when you're uncomfortable is an example of courage. One mindset shift that can help you to become more courageous is simply reframing what obstacles and challenges mean to you. Do you give up when things get challenging, or do you see challenges as a sign that you're heading in the right direction? Ask yourself, if making millions was easy, would everyone be doing it right now? And are you just anyone? No, you're a passionate person who wants challenges to arise so you can overcome them with pride. Second, confidence. And as I've talked about countless times, confidence is sexy. It's about having the beliefs in your powers and abilities, and it comes with taking action over and over again until you get to a place of comfort. So taking the first few steps and executing instead of spending time perfecting and planning them is crucial. Check out the article on why confidence is sexy, which is in the show notes for more information. Third is charisma. 
and that is possessing charm that can inspire uh, action in others. And we'll be talking more about charisma in the future episodes this year, but it's certainly a key soft skill to have to have a money mindset and make a killing. Fourth is consistency, and that's of course doing things over and over again, but also with time sensitivity. Do you have a regular schedule? Have you allocated social time into it? Are you consistently delivering to your customers? As Marissa said in the conference that I attended, your ability to be productive on purpose is based on the choices that you make each day to support and nourish yourself. I've written a really awesome article about becoming a consistentist versus a perfectionist in that will again be located in the show notes. And I definitely recommend that you check it out. And the final C is clarity. So that's having the ability to understand your goals and what it is that you want to create in your life and your business by taking action. You'll either succeed or fail, but either way, you'll be closer to understanding how to achieve your goals. So There you have it. We've gone through the four stages of the year of execution and killings for 2015. So that is executing the status quo, executing on your dreams, going in for the kill and making a killing. I would love to hear what your one or two words are that are going to set the tone for 2015 for you. And in addition, if there are any fabulous females that you would like to have featured on the show this year, please do not hesitate to reach out via email and message me at hello at resims.com. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I'm so grateful to have such a wonderful audience and I want to leave this episode by repeating the saying, ask yourself if what you're doing today is helping you to get to where you want to be tomorrow. So thank you very much, everyone. Stay love noteworthy and I will see you next week.